Ain't this what they've been waiting for? You ready? Uh, uh. I used to pray for times like this, to rhyme like this, so I had to grind like that, to shine like this. If I ain't gonna be part of the greatest, I gotta be the greatest myself. Hey, how you doing guys? My name is Taku David and you are joining us for another exciting episode of the Young Money Show where we are joined by Sheki Tumburua. I'm sure a lot of you know, know him. He is a maverick in the business field and he describes himself as a pan-African entrepreneur. Sheki is the CEO of uh, Energy Plus. He's also the executive CEO of Pico Construction and he's a Forbes 30 under 30 alumnist. Shaky, thank you so much for being on the program. Have I left out any of your accolades? No, no, no. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's really an honor for me to be on the interview, and I would like to appreciate you guys and the team for doing this wonderful thing. You know, it's all about uh, when you have people like you who are also pushing the narrative of the young people and having shows like this, it really gives us a platform so that we can also voice our concerns as young people and we can also be part of the narrative of the Africa that we want or even the Zimbabwe that we want. So it's really an honor to me. Thank you so much, Taco. Not only a pleasure, man. I've been really excited uh, to get you on board. And uh, just from a couple of our chats, you know, previously, you know, I've been able to, to see and identify where your heart is, when where your passion really is. So I think this is going to be an exciting conversation, slightly definitely. different from what we usually do. Definitely, definitely, definitely. So let's just hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. Uh, the African Union has got this thing that we are pushing, true. Agenda 2063, exactly. which is That's the true. Africa we want. True. Right? To you, mm-hmm. what is the Africa you want to see? Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. And you see, like uh, I was looking at it, they are actually sitting for their fourth, I think, fourth session summit. Uh, it's it actually started today. So the foreign uh, minister of foreign affairs of almost every country that is represented AU, they are already there. And uh, the narrative of the Africa we want, it's really, it's really a good projection that we have as an African Union. But the issue that I'm also mainly concerned about is the pragmaticness of that vision. Why I say so is that we have had so many narratives that have been created. We've got so many mantras that are being said, but there's nothing that we can then look at that, okay, this thing has been implemented and then there is a fruition of what we have said. But I think we it's high time as Africans, we're supposed to take charge of the narrative of Africa. It's high time we are supposed to describe our story. We are supposed to say our own story as Africans. And you have people who can talk on our behalf. It's high time we are supposed to take charge of that narrative. And I think it's a very good agenda that they're trying to push. But I think we as the young people we are supposed to be the ones that are taking charge of that narrative because if you took it look at 2063 by that time how old will you be how old will i be so we are really the people that are supposed to push this agenda yes there are people that have started the agenda but we are supposed to embrace the agenda and also run with the vision and that's where the biggest problem of africa is if i would say you know i'll put it like this you know i think that's the greatest tragedy that ever happened to africa what do i mean by that when we were colonized as africa or when the people that colonized the whole entire continent of africa colonized us they came with a modus operandi that we were not privy to know what do i mean by that you see when they when they came to africa 
we had our own rules of engagement we had our own ways of supporting our economic systems as africa mm. you talk about our agricultural sector you talk about our mining sector we talk about our healthy sector you talk about our art of war we had our own way that's why africa is known as gorilla warfare mm-hmm. we had our own way of engaging with the enemy we would use spears and bows and stuff like that so when these guys came into colonizing africa number one they brought a certain level of technology which was never in africa they brought certain scales of agriculture which we never had in africa africans we were artisanal miners we were not commercial miners mm. and crops were different as well. exactly they were different so when they brought in they brought in pesticides that were made chemically and stuff like that so when they colonized us they introduced a para- there was a paradigm shift of things the way things are done mm. And when they introduced that aspect, we never realized that the rules of engagement to the economy are changing. To the extent that when we then emancipated the continent from those that captured us, what we occupied were positions. We now had prime ministers in Africa. We now had generals that were blacks. We now had people occupying positions. But we never dared to check who was still responsible for the agricultural sector. And not forgetting that it's no longer the agricultural sector that was being done by our forefathers. This is now commercial agriculture, whereby we now have 100 hectares that has got a crop. In Africa, that was not our way of doing agriculture. We used to do agriculture. 100 by 100 and then it's enough for my family and I can feed my my brother's kids and stuff. We are good. But now we are engaging in tractors. We are engaging in boom sprays. We didn't have that. So we were independent politically but economically we are still dependent. Henceforth, even I can give an example of what's happening to Mali. Mali they are saying they are cutting ties with France but the main question is are they able to sustain the infrastructure that France developed in Mali and be able to enjoy? That's what happened, if, especially if you look at Ghana, if you look at Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe, we got our independence in 1980. And then there was that Lancaster Agreement that was signed 25 years. But we were enjoying the benefits of the previous government that was ruling. The roads, the schools, the medical system, and stuff like that. And then we didn't put our own black people in strategic positions. What do I mean? We had mines that were running at large scale. We had agricultural farms that were running at large scale. We were supposed to, by 1980, we were supposed to identify our own people who would go and work hand in hand with the farm manager of a farm that is producing probably 1,000 metric tons of maize. Mm -hmm. And we have our own person who's running for 25 years till 2000 before we then did the land repatriation program. By the time the whites were now checking out, would have had our own people who are fully trained in the medical sector, fully trained in the military sector, fully trained in the mining sector. So you see, they relinquished, we then had the implementation of the land repatriation program. But were we sufficient enough knowledge-wise, were we capacity enough to occupy the shoes of the people that were doing that because don't forget even biblical the bible says i will drive when you are going to occupy Canaan, which is a promised land right like zimbabwe is a promised land like africa is a promised land to us but mm-hmm. god said i will drive the canaanites little by little lest you occupy the land and you underutilize it and then the forest and the beast of the field will multiply against you that's what happened. God was avoiding a situation by these people are not properly trained to exploit the potential of Canaan. They should get knowledge from the people who are, habi- who are inhabitants of Canaan. Then after they are fully fully empowered, they now know how to utilize the farms. They now know how to utilize the mines. Then you can fully occupy the place. That's the problem of Africa. So, so you know, I, I what an introduction, by the way. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank <laughs> Welcome you, to thank the show, Sheikh. Thank you so much. Thank but, you, so much. Um, you know, you're a guy who's well-traveled. 
you've got business ventures you know in, in several places several countries um and you've obviously built connections and you've had experienced you know life outside of zimbabwe and in, in further reaches of africa True. on that note who would you say in africa is actually shifting the narrative you know which nation is shifting the narrative and really moving more towards developing a truly african model whereby okay. we're not just inheriting systems and operating as True. things were you know you know i'll give you an example obviously every country has got its own problems i'll give you an example of rwanda you look at Rwanda. Rwanda, they had a problem of the genocide, the Hutu the hood and the Tutsi, which is mainly the most problematic problem we have in African nations, whereby these tribalistic uh, disputes. But that was a man-made exactly. dispute as well. Exactly. So you see, Rwanda, they've been able to migrate from that. Yes, until now, they have their own discrepancies in their unity as, as, a, as a nation. But if you check, they changed the rules of engagement, right? Now Rwanda has got one of the biggest gold refineries. And the other nation that I would also talk about is Nigeria. Look at this. There is the inter-trade that is happening that they are trying to introduce at AU level whereby they are promoting the inter-trade between African countries. But if you check, there is inconsistency that Africa is almost importing 8 billion barrels of oil. Right? Mm. Nigeria is producing about 8 billion barrels of oil for export. Right, they are exporting that, and guess the deficiency. Africa is importing more than 60 billion barrels. Nigeria is making oil to sell outside of Africa, it gets processed exactly, comes back, and yeah. then comes mm. back. The moment we don't have value addition happening in our African corridors, that's where we are losing it. I can give you a very good example of different nations. Africa is the biggest producer of cocoa. We've got Ghana, we've got one, we've got Cote d'Ivoire, but the biggest refiners of cocoa and making chocolates are in Switzerland. In Africa, we have got Botswana and Namibia in South Africa. Those are the biggest diamond producers. There was recently a diamond that was discovered last year in July. That was the biggest diamond ever to be discovered after the Kalinan of South Africa. Mm. I dare you that diamond was never processed and cut and polished in Botswana. It was taken to England where the, we have got the HQ of DBS. As long as we don't deal with the other nations and other continents to say, okay, what we need in Africa is not money. What we need in Africa is infrastructure that can value add the raw materials that we add, we have in Africa. And we cease to import our things as crude products, but as value added products. By that, we create employment for the young people. By that, we get full beneficiation of the raw materials that we have. Because God has given Africa a very hefty amount of abiquitous of minerals. You talk about DRC. DRC has got every mineral, but that's one of the poorest countries. Mm. You know, I, I like that you, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, the chat about minerals. Mm-hmm. And I understand you're also involved in some mining ventures. Definitely. definitely. Uh, something that I've always been quite curious about mm-hmm. is, you know, this uh, new thrust towards, you know, sustainable energies, green True. energies, and, you know, um, us adopting some of these technologically advanced uh, means of actually producing energy. True. But in a place like uh, Zimbabwe, in a place mm-hmm. like Africa, where majority of our endowments are actually in our resources, you know, they're True. in coal, True. Um, for example. Should we then be obliged to move into technologies that are quite difficult for us to manufacture, per se, compared to an endowment that we have, that other nations have taken advantage of for years to develop their industrial complexes? You see, the rules of engagement in any agreement, especially what's happening in this global village, is this. Every country is fighting to become the chief strategist of owning the narrative of the globe, Mm. right? So there's competition between the Arab nations, there's competition between the Arab nations, the Asians, the Chinese, the Americans, and the Europe. This is where the problem is. Africa has been an underdog for the longest of time. Why do I say so? We are benefiting. Africa is mainly made up of consumers, not producers. 
right mm. as long as you are consumers you are going to be slaves of the ones that are supplying you with the products and services that you require i'll give you a very good example if ever we make a payment in africa in usd currency that payment is going through the swift code of america so before you celebrate yourself your money is hitting america then comes back to south africa mm-hmm. right as long as we don't become innovative enough to change that kind of a setup like we have right now africa the whole of africa is depending on the vaccines that are not made in africa but does it mean we don't have our own herbs that can cure this covid pandemic that we have but the problem is that we are waiting to be validated by people who are not africans on whatever invention that we do but we are forgetting that we were the masters of architect the first recorded uh, irrigation scheme was in egypt hieroglyphics was in egypt if you look at the pyramids the building is still standing until now it was in egypt so there was a time when africa was actually leading the narrative even biblically the bible says there is a time there was famine in the whole world if you read the bible it talks why i love the bible is because i also get wisdom from the bible Mm. they talk about a money failing during the the time of pharaoh and joseph was 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 a governor and the bible says and joseph did that which was supposed to be done and when joseph did that it was egypt that was feeding the whole globe right mm-hmm. look at that that time so after that time during that dispensation africa was leading the black man was leading in creating of things but they did something very interesting to eradicate the history of the african man henceforth they talk they don't talk about people like manza musa mm-hmm. manza musa is classified as the richest man ever to live but you don't see him in any books of forbes why it's because it's a white pushed propaganda whereby if everything that you see is controlled the chaos that you see in africa right now there is order behind the chaos that you see in africa isn't it amazing to see okay right now we've got the horn of africa is, is in dispute you talk about ethiopia you talk about somalia you talk about there's there's war that that, that side in uganda there was the, the recently the um, suicidal bombers that were there you talk about mali you talk about Burkina faso these whole things that you're seeing even in our own sadak region the dispute happening between the issue of the permits in south africa and zimbabwe that should not be happening but if you check they are hands that are under the table these hands they are responsible for the chaos you see in africa because every time there is chaos they know that they can never allow chaos to be wasted because it's a good opportunity for them to exploit africa so you stated something quite interesting Mm -hmm. that you are you know a part of the global business chamber of leaders which is you know international chamber with people from different industries you know the likes of the teslas and different different spaces what is it like to be an african Mm -hmm. who's on a platform such as that Mm -hmm. and have a voice for africa how how do you position yourself what's your what's your mission when you're there you see my goal is to make sure africa is properly represented with its full beauty and it's not easy i'll be very honest with you because there are people who are there i will not mention them by names but they are citizens and there are certain countries or continents that are bullies right they they feel like they are bigger than others right and the problem is that they never thought africa would come to a position whereby it will be fully embracing taking charge of their narrative right i'll give you a very good example to say we are we we are no longer in the in the era whereby other nations are supposed to beg other nations for their survival what do i mean by that i'll even mention the issue to do with sanctions i know so many countries that are under sanctions even including our own countries in Zimbabwe they are under sanctions mm. most people they don't understand what sanctions are right 
every nation whether america they are corrupt people but no one has ever sanctioned america right america has got air bases they have got military bases in almost every continent but if you ask yourself there is no country that has got a military base in the soil of america mm. you should ask yourself those questions like that but this is what happens at the end of the day you realize that when a country is placed under sanctions that country has been isolated to interact with any country they can no longer buy anything that benefits the citizens of that country for them to buy that they need to find ways that are very complicated because if they make a payment and they are under sanctions because of few individuals that money will be seized but that money was never going to benefit one individual it was going to benefit a lot of citizens that's why you see in africa right now there's more like a paradigm shift from the from the europe and the americas because when europe gets involved in issues to do with africa or the americas they also want to get involved in the politics of the continent mm-hmm. that's why you see most african countries they are looking east because chinese they don't have anything to do with your politics as long as you agree with whatever that you agree they will not discuss about how the deals are structured but if china mm-hmm. agrees to support you they will not intermeddle with your politics which is different from these european countries when they want to get involved in your country they want to know who's going to rule they want to control that who's going to rule which is why you see there is now like com- political power power shifting in africa russia is coming europe is coming america is coming asia is coming and you see what asia is doing asia is coming with what africa needs which is funds Mm -hmm. but we should now migrate and grow ourselves as africans to cease to take money we should stop taking money from this continent i I was was getting there you know there there's all these uh, these debates and these discussions True. as to you know is africa positioning itself to be recolonized again and everyone is calling it the second scramble for africa True. and yes this battle will be fought economically mm-hmm. there are powers who are interested in getting involved in africa True. you as a young zimbabwean who's going to be there in 2063 to see the True. africa we want mm-hmm. what steps can we take to avoid falling into the same trap again the issue is is trying by all means to mortgage our resources vis-a-vis the lifestyle that we want as a people I'll give you an example of Dubai. Dubai, they realized that their oil reserves were going low. And they had to come up with another, something that can replace the oil that we're having. And look at what they did. Dubai was sustained by traders that were coming through the ports and also the oil reserves that they had. But they realized that we are going to come a point whereby they are start, going to start to talk about environmental impact of oil. And they prepared for themselves for the future. What did they do? They mortgaged the reserves of oil into infrastructure and now Dubai is surviving on uh, they are surviving on services. I'll give you an example and I'll illustrate. I was in Dubai when the expo started. When it was officially opened. That expo is running. It's almost coming to a close. It was running for the past six months. For a person to get into an expo, it's close to almost $100 for a person just for you to get a ticket and get inside. And every hour, they were having not less than fifteen to 20,000 people that were exchanging almost every hour. Others are getting in, others are getting out. right? And they were open. It was during actually the pandemic when they opened. They were opening from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. And they're having an average of 15,000 people getting pay every hour and they're collecting $100 per individual. This is money. This is revenue being created from individual people. These are tourists that are coming in and these are things that are coming in. And we are not even mentioning about the pavilions. How many nations have established pavilions? Even our own country, Zimbabwe, has a pavilion in Dubai Expo. That's revenue that's coming in Dubai. And they rent that thing for, the, for, for six months. They are creating revenue. And during the same time, they then had the JITEX, which is the technological expo whereby technology companies, they are coming to exhibit. And every deal that is structured during the expo, Dubai has got a share of 10% that they take. 
right? Mm. Every deal that is being structured at the Expo Dubai is benefiting from every deal that is structured. After the JITEX, what they do, they introduce the airshow whereby these aviation companies, your, 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 your Boeing, your, they are coming to exhibit helicopters, they are coming to exhibit anything to do with aviation. Look at this. Every company that's coming, they are paying revenue. Every exhibit that is coming, they are paying revenue. And you see what they're doing? Their economy is thriving on services. I can give you a very good example. I think, I don't know if you see a video whereby Steve Harvey was saying, I've never seen a country that has been built in 50 years like this. I think I did see something along right. those lines. Yeah, yeah. That's national PR. Steve Harvey has got a following that he commands globally. To have Steve Harvey come and then he mentions about Dubai, he says, I've never seen a country like this. That's PR of a nation. Recently, five days ago, Cristiano Ronaldo was in Dubai. And look at mm. what they did. Cristiano Ronaldo was having very good time with the prince, air prince of Dubai. Look mm. what they are doing. They are preparing the people to say there is no place that you can come that is safe for people to spend their money like Dubai. I had a chance of interacting with their general commission of police and he was telling me about the innovations that they have done. In Dubai, they don't chase after a person who has stolen anything. They have got millions of cameras installed. So if you steal something from someone in Dubai, they check at the camera where the thing was stolen. They can track you until they see you in a pub and they'll come silently to you. They'll sit beside you and they say, Not you enough. are Mr. So and so and so and so. Mm. Because upon entry to the, to the airport, Dubai, they no longer use stamps. You scan your eyes. It's a digital passport. You scan your eyes and they say, Mr. Kuda, how are you today? Imagine and then you are caught in between. They know your name. They know everything about you. By doing that, they are giving people a vibe that Dubai is the safest place you can ever find yourself in. But you look at what they did. They mortgaged their natural resources for their citizens to have the best life they have. So Africa should now migrate from a point whereby we are given money. Because money can be stolen by one person. I can even talk about Mobutu. Mobutu, how, many, how much money did, did he loot from, from DRC? Mm -hmm. You hear stories about people who looted more than 18 billion, 52 billion, one person. But mm -hmm. that money came in form of equipment. Do you think that person was going to steal equipment worth 18 billion, equipment worth 52 billion? By having equipment, we are now taking charge of our infrastructure, our road networks, our health system, and everything. You know, one of the things that I, I've understood about business and, uh, and creating a, a conducive economy True. is that you need to create the environment True. for business. True. All right. You as a business person, as a young business person, what type of environment do you want to see? An environment that you believe you can, you can flourish in? Mm -hmm. I, I would say, you see, every person wants an environment whereby my trust is 100% when it comes to, to the banking sector. Once you affect the banking sector whereby you have people no longer banking their money, that's an effect. But you see, that's one thing that is affecting a lot of African countries. And I would say, uh, we, 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 when you analyze economic growth, you stop analyzing it from a perspective of what people are saying politically or what people are saying in the streets. You start analyzing from a perspective whereby are investors looking at a country and they feel like, okay, my, my investment is safe in this particular country. So as a young person who's staying in Zimbabwe, my goal, and I believe as a country we're heading the right direction, why I say so, you remember there's this rule that we had that 49%, uh, 51%, whereby the investor mm -hmm. will get 49%, but he has injected money. That was scrapped off. Me seeing such kind of a major uh, legislation, law being scrapped off, it means there is now a realization that we have lost a lot of, imagine farmers that went to Zambia because yeah. of that law, yeah. right? And right now we are better strategically positioned. Why I'm saying so, you should ever, you should always take advantage 
when your enemy is making a mistake. Don't disturb your enemy when he's making a mistake. Because there are countries around the Sadak region that are making mistakes. I will not mention them by name. Mm. They are making mistakes and there's high level of disinvestment happening in that country. And as a nation as Zimbabwe, we are supposed to prepare our hands and our coffers to make Zimbabwe the safest place for people to come and do investments. And once we have that one, we are good to go. Shaggy, wisdom, my friend, wisdom. Mm. Um, Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm just curious, you know, what type of uh, what type of upbringing, what type of background gets someone to think the way you're thinking? You know, what type of experience experiences have you had that have mm-hmm. opened your eyes to see, you know, to see the African situation in this way? You see, I I, I really want to take. Uh, I, I I I grew up in a very simple environment, and uh, I was brought up with a single mother, and then uh, she 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 did her best to give us the best life. But obviously, as a kid, I was looking at other kids and the way the other kids were spoiled and everything that was happening. I could see she's doing her best, but this is not the best life there is. So that made me responsible at a very young age. And never underestimate something that is called mentorship. A person who mentors you determines the way you reason, the way you think, and the way you look at things. And one of my, my best mentors is Prophet Makandio. The man was able to, to teach me to see life or to see things from a different perspective. Why do I say so? You know, there are things that you can learn through academics and there are things that you can know by having a pragmatic person teaching you how to walk the walk of life. And he's one man who has guided me along the way to show me how wealth is actually created. And then you start to look at the systems that we have within our African narrative and African continent and you start seeing loopholes. So I'll say to people, you can go as far as your mentor is. The person who is mentoring you determines the mindset you are going to have as an individual. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, also, just, you know, before the show, as I always do my homework, you know, sure. I did a little bit of social media stalking, sure, as sure. they call Thank it. You. And I saw you've got a couple of friends, you know, you hang out with a lot of influential individuals. Wow, and, you. you know, how important has it been to have that network around you for your continual growth and your continual development? You see, I would say uh, there's one thing that I learned later in life to say, like myself, I want my kids to learn to, at best schools. Why I want my kids to learn at age schools is because, you see, when they go to such schools, even if they fail academically, but you are, you are, you are, you are, you are almost 90% guaranteed that kids that are there are going to be captains of industry tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So if they learn with the kid of this one who's running this particular company and this one who's running this particular company, you see, they become friends at a very young age. When they become friends at a very young age, even if they fail dismally academically, but they've got friends that are going to be owning companies. So that gives my life a new page to live on. It's different from the way we grew up ourselves. You see, our parents believed that a cheaper school, government school, which, which is not a problem to go on a government school, but the goal is to push government schools until they produce A grades, until we have quite, quite good students that can come out from that. That's what I would say to say. So the network that I have and the people that I have, they help me because they give me exposure. If I want something in Nigeria right now, I don't have to do anything because I've got friends that are in Nigeria that can connect me to the right offices. Mm-hmm. If I want something in Ghana, if I want something in America. So the people that you relate with, you should understand something good to say. Never vibe with people who don't see the extraordinaries in, or extraordinariness in you. If you look, you play with people who are looking mm-hmm. down upon you to say, no, Kuda is a nobody and stuff like that. They will never fend your potential. They will suffocate your potential. So you need to surround yourself with people who are also determined to make it in life. 
they become your fuel when you're giving up you call them hey how's nigeria how's everything and they'll say ah, things are not right but i'm trying to do this i've got this upcoming project it's a very big project it's going to be a bang right mm. the moment you're interacting about that your mind is going to be opened on different possibilities that's why i always like to relate with people like you're saying i have but it's, it's a privilege your friends like that uh, and you are one of those people uh, why, why thank you eh? you know it's, it's good you. to be in a room with greats like yourself thank you uh, one of the things that many people might not know about mm-hmm. you, especially when uh, when you're talking with this much, you know, knowledge and wisdom and charisma, mm-hmm. is that you didn't have the best time, you know, in your in your academics. True. Would you like to take us through that? <laughs> you know, uh, I, I think I had a very radical mindset from a very young age. You know, I looked at the education that I was receiving and I looked at the people that had acquired the degree that I was trying to acquire. I never admired their lifestyle. Mm. I looked at the professors, the people that would call professors when you're growing up. I looked, they would declare books. They were, they, they were philosophers. If you hear them talking, you would love to be in their shoes. But there's one thing I like. I love being comfortable. I hate poverty with a passion. Yeah, we can tell by your shoes that you oh, like to be you. comfortable. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I hate poverty with a passion. And so if I, I look at what the person achieved, the accolades, the titles and everything, one thing that I know, had my father you see you can inherit a man's wealth but you can never inherit a man's status Hmm. if my father is a professor one thing that title would do to me is to be known as a kid of a professor but no matter how much my father loves me he's never going to write an exam for me i would Hmm. have to write my exam for myself if he dies i'm never even if like my own father he had i we had the same name i can't inherit my father's degrees Hmm. but i can inherit my father's wealth so I looked at the education system that I was being offered and I, I looked at the people that had graduated by then. There is no connection between what people are being taught and what the market is requiring. And I'll give an illustration and a demonstration. Our system of education in Africa is creating employers and job seekers, not job creators. Mm, true. Our system in Africa is creating people who are dependents, not people who want to be trailblazers. Our system in Africa is creating people who are going to function and work like robots. Henceforth, we have got so many graduates in Africa, but they are not able to start businesses because they were they were taught over a long period of time to be scared of entrepreneurship. That's why I see most people are degreed. If they try to establish a business, they have got a safety net, a plan B, which is a degree. They know if I leave this job, if I fail in, in, in entrepreneurship, I can go and apply to this bank. I can go and do this. Myself, if I fail in the streets, no one is going to, like myself, if you mm-hmm. see my CV, you never want it. So yeah. I have to make it work because I don't, I, don't, I don't have any plan. You have to commit, so to I speak. have to make yeah. sure I work. And my goal is now to make sure those that are qualified as accountants, they will come and apply on my work. The person doesn't have an accounting degree. Mm-hmm. Not because I'm looking down upon education, but the education system is creating people who are weak when it comes to dealing with challenges. I can give an example. Look at China. China and Germany, they learn their, their syllabuses in their languages. Imagine, do you think he had I learned mathematics in Shona? Do you think I was going to fail mathematics? No, you didn't. I was, be a, to, a, hey, I, I was going to be a superstar. You see, yeah. but number one, the first barrier I have as an individual is the language. For me to understand algebra, to to try to interpret algebra in my own mother language, I can't do that. And you see, one thing, look at this. I, I was I was talking to someone and I was challenging to say our African. I was talking to I am I'm, I'm privileged to be a friend with a person who's the 
is the chancellor of Namibian University and then he was recently appointed by the African Union to become the chancellor of all African universities. And I was posing wow. a challenge to him. I said, you guys, you are teaching us, you are, you, are, you are implementing these syllabus and stuff like that. And I said, have you ever find any industrial revolution that has ever created millionaires like the cryptocurrency? And he said, uh, no, I don't think uh, something like that has happened. And I'll prove my point. Do you know that Rolls-Royce declared to say they've never had sales like they had this year simply because of COVID? And if you check, the only thing that was never affected much by the pandemic was the markets. Yes, there was there was high ups and downs because of COVID, because of this and the news and stuff like that. But look, we have got more millionaires that have been created by cryptos and forex trading more than we have by industry. Mm-hmm. But right now in Africa, we don't even have one university that is embraced that is embraced trading as a module and a course that we can find proper lecturers that can train young people to trade. And for you to trade, what do you need? You need your laptop, you need your phone, and you are done for good. There's no brick and mortar, there's no collateral. If you've got hundred dollars and you've got a person who's training you properly, but we don't have that. On our, curric- on, 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 on our curriculum as Africans. We are not training people to be traders. That's true. That's true. See. So while I've got you here, Shaky, and just mm-hmm. before we wrap up, sure. what I want to know is, mm-hmm. coming from a real hustler, mm-hmm. what are the opportunities on the ground? I know you just spoke about uh, about cryptocurrencies and you sure. just spoke about trading. What mm-hmm. are the opportunities on the ground in Zimbabwe? Zimbabwe You see, I'll tell you something. The fact that Zimbabwe is going for elections, that's another game. I'm guaranteed that any political party needs campaigning t-shirts. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a given. But most young people, what they tell themselves is, well, who am I going to see in this particular party? It's not about that. It's about creating your way into the system and then you can make money from that. Because every political party, as we speak, they've got a budget to campaign. Mm. And that money is going to be given to those that are going to be working with those companies to campaign. They are going to be billboards. They are going to be caps. They are going to be t-shirts. We, the, it's, 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 it's a whole lot. Some are going to do caps. Mm. They are going to start campaigning from councillors. They go to MPs. From MPs, they then go from to ministers. From ministers, they go to the presidential. So you can tell me you don't know your councillor. Who's going to have his 50 shirts, 50 t-shirts that he wants his face there to campaign, whether it's any political party. Independent even. Independently. Yeah. You see, that's another opportunity that we have there. We have got opportunities in agriculture. We have got opportunities in the mining sector. I'll tell you something. Zimbabwe is the cheapest country to get a mining license. For you to get a mining license in Zimbabwe, you need less than 4,000 RTGs. Hmm. 4,000 RTGs. You get your prospectus license, you get a pega, you identify a place, and you've got 10 hectares of land that is liable to you. It's Okay, I'll share something with you. Do you know that um, with the laws of Zimbabwe that we have right now, in America, they found loopholes in the tech system of people who are doing real estate. Robert Kiyosaki talks about that. Donald Trump was able to become a billionaire because of that loophole that was in the system of their tech system. In Zimbabwe, is people say it's very difficult for you to get a farm, right? Which I would not agree to. But do you know that for me to get a 10 hectare piece of land, which we call a mining claim, I will go and buy my prospectus license from the Minister of Mines. Once I get my prospectus license, I get it and I have it. And then the next thing that I need to do is to get a peg who can identify a place, whether it's going to be in Bindura, Mazoy, or whatever place that I'm going to get it. And then after I do that, and then I do my applications and everything is done, that amount is less than even 10,000 years. 
probably where you will get more courses whereby you are dealing with the person who's offering sales like the pegger they might need their money in US dollars mm-hmm. right but I now after I apply and everything is out I now have 10 hectares of land with a proper government issued license or a title deed to that land mm. right 10 hectares right if i want to do agriculture on that piece of land as i'm doing my exploration and my study no one will ask me mm. but if i'm asked i've got a paper a proper type a proper deed from the ministry of mines that, that gives me the right to utilize that land however i want there's no one who stops me to pump water from my shafts and put them in my potatoes there's no one who de- de- denies me that. But people are busy trying to buy pe- plots without paperwork and stuff like that. Yeah, there's a loophole that I can get. Imagine if I can pay 100 hectares. Wow, wow, wow. How much does it cost you to buy a 100 hectare with a title deed and pegging a mine claim and then you have got... Because mining, you see, like, it's like Fred, I'll give you an example of Frederick. Frederick Becker is one of the biggest mines that we have in here in our, in, in our country. But all the mining that Frederick Becker has got number, numerous amounts of claims, Right? But if you check, there are plant and there are shafts that are going underground. They are sitting on less pro, le, probably less than five, less than less than three three blocks. Hmm. But those three blocks, they've got a shaft that is mining probably 180 meters away, one kilometer away from the shaft. Hmm. So there are there are claims, but they are not utilizing that. But on top of the land, on top of the, there's, there's nothing. There's, there's action. Yeah. Yes. So who stopped me? Who stops us as Zimbabweans to say, okay, I've got my mining claim and I'm mining underground and I'm pumping water because it's an expense. The moment you're pumping water out of your shafts, whether by electricity or by diesel, it's a cost that you're incurring, right? Mm. Why can't I then use that water to to bring produce from? Why can't I use that water to do mushroom? Why can't I use that water to do uh, poultry? Why can't I use that water to do agriculture? Right? I'm a miner, but at the same time, I'm benefiting from the crops that I'm farming on my mine. But I've, I've got a deed for 10 hectares of land. Why, 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 why do I need to struggle? Why? <laughs> That's deep. Shaky, mm-hmm. I'm sorry to cut you there, but I think our time for this episode is done. Oh, and it's you. actually heartbreaking because I think we need to bring you back on again. Oh, thank uh, you. To give thank us a little you. few, a few more you. secrets thank to the trade. Uh, a little you. bit more so secrets to the trade. But really thank you so much, man, really for sharing what you have. And I think we look forward to seeing what you're going to do. Um, just with your life, you're still a very young man. We're looking forward to see what you're going to do for your life and for the country definitely, as a whole. Definitely, definitely. So, um, just before we go, mm-hmm. just a quick one. What do you have to share to a young person out there who's maybe you before you started mm-hmm. 10, 15 years ago mm-hmm. and who's looking at you and saying, This is a role model, this is someone who I would like to emulate and walk in those footsteps and take you know some of the points that you've just shared with us and turn them into a reality? Okay, thank you. You know, what I would say is, um, you see when you have a dream and you've got a plan and a strategy to start something whether it's a business whether it's a company whether it's what don't listen to people who tell you that it can't when people tell you it can't they are simply telling you their imperfections that disqualify them to make that dream a reality yeah three divided by two exactly you (laughs) see so when people tell you it can't they are telling you their limitations in making that thing happen they are telling you what they can do not what you can do so don't listen to people who don't fan your potential and the other thing that i would say to the young people that are listening to me of my age and stuff like that i've made mistakes myself that i would never want to see someone making such kind of a mistake which is you see there is a trend that has been created around the african child especially because of social media you know there are now so many people the role models that most people now have they are fake role models mm-hmm. never be trained to make a million dollars by a person who won't lottery because that person doesn't know the formula 
That's why you see almost every person won lottery. If you look for them after three months, that man would have gone to a person who's got a strategy to get money from him. And this is where the problem starts. The day I always tell people, there's a statement that says, fake it until you make it, right? Mm -hmm. It's a very good statement, nice statement people are saying it. Why? But why can't you make it until people think you're faking it, right? The moment you start faking rich and living an artificial life simply because of Instagram, simply because of social media, you have created a problem for yourself, which I'll explain now as I'm closing. It's, It's just like you, Kuda. The day you present a Kuda that is not you in reality, you have disqualified me to give you help because I now think you are already there. So you then start closing doors for the people who can be who, who might have been your destined helpers because they now think you are there, but you are not even there. They could yet. have been blessings in your exactly. life. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So the moment you do that, you have created a narrative that people who are supposed to support you and help you, they feel like you are already up there, but you're not even yet there. You are the only one who knows behind the curtain to say, you know what? My I'm struggling, mm. I'm suffering, right? And this is where the problem starts. You start having people wanting help from you, yet you are still a toddler. You also need the help. You are like mm-hmm. a 14-year-old child. A 14-year-old child has been impregnated. She still needs parental and, 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 and a guardian to take care of her. But right now she has a baby who also wants support from her as a mother. That kind of pressure could also forget you. Mm-hmm. That kind of pressure will make you burn out. That's what's destroying a lot of artists in, in our country. That's what's destroying a lot of talents in Africa because they have with massive followership on social media. But that massive followership cannot be equated to financial benefits in their pockets. And when people meet them, they have got demands. See something, mm. see something. Expectations, see exactly. boss, boss, they, exactly. binga, binga. But yeah. they know they're struggling to pay rent. Mm. And living that kind of a life, that you see over, over the period of time, there are so many young people around Africa that are breaking down. Depression. A very good, talented musician. You see him breaking down. You hear this one is not feeling okay. This one is not feeling okay. Is that pressure whereby people think that you are already there. You are not even there. You know that I still need help. But people are already coming to you for help when you are still in the process of wanting to be helped by people. So those are my parting words. Ladies and gentlemen, we've had it from the man himself, Sheki Timburwa. I think we're going to take this off air and continue this conversation. But Sheki, thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you so much. Thank you. This so has much. been the Young Money Show. My name is Taku David, and we will catch you every single Wednesday at quarter past seven. I'm out. Building dreams on the Young Money Show, where entrepreneurial dreams become a reality.